This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Imagine you're looking at a scale. Now on one side, put everything you do for other people and on the other, everything you do for yourself. Not balanced? Well, maybe it's time to spend a little bit more time on you. Do that in therapy at betterhelp.com super. Hey brother! Man, oh man, you guys. Last week, Pixar announced that Toy Story 5 is in the works. And I'm not gonna lie, my reaction to this news was something like, uh, um, okay. Well, I th honestly, I thought it ended with three. And then I thought it really ended with four. And after a brief perusal on Twitter, I don't think we were the only ones who had this reaction. And really, I don't even think this reaction is new. I think this was the exact same reaction everyone had when they announced Toy Story 4. Because the original trilogy just felt like it left us in a really happy place. We had worried about our toys being forgotten. We had considered the immortality of a toy, like being in a museum. And then a different kind of immortality, where they're left at a daycare and have a new supply of kids every year. Really, it's the dream, as long as you don't mind a little bit of finger paint. But finally, we watched as Andy himself came to terms with passing on this tremendous piece of his childhood to Bonnie. And it was a truly comforting scenario because it felt like Andy had set into motion this precedent with Bonnie that she could repeat after she grew up with some other new kid. And in that way, the toys would be cherished and loved forever by their child. It was really a perfect ending. Except not, because then we got Toy Story 4 and Lightyear. And now somehow Toy Story 5, like what is there left to tell? Not gonna lie you guys, today is going to be wild. We are going to examine the Toy Story franchise from every angle and give our pitch as to what Toy Story 5 should and maybe will be about. All right guys, before we dive on in, I wanna tell you that today's video is brought to you by us in our newly rebranded Carlin Brothers coffee store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. Because yeah, in case you didn't know, we have an online store that sells coffee and candles and candy and sweets and merch and all sorts of other good stuff. Oh my God, it's so good. And I just wanna tell you about a few of the great offerings we have over there because not only does shopping there help support this show directly, but you also get some really awesome stuff to consume. Like our coffee, for instance, is roasted freshly in small batches, has notes of chocolate and citrus, and then is shipped directly to you. This is like a particularly good brew. I drink it literally every day at home and here at the office. And this point are probably more like 55% coffee, 45% Jonathan, but it is like a gift every single morning. And if you're not into coffee, we also have tea and hot chocolate. And if you just don't like hot beverages, how about hot candles? All of our candles are soy candles. We have lots of very fun fandom inspired ones. And something I'm really excited about is this year, all year we're doing our Royal Candle Club, where if you join each month, you get a brand new surprise candle delivered to you, each inspired by a different princess. And if you sign up now, you get a discount of 25%, meaning you get each of the candles for the rest of the year at a discounted price. This is this month, it's called A Whole New World, and what's super duper fun about these is not only are they really exclusive, but when you finish burning them, there's like a tiny little silver collectible charm you can get out of the bottom of each one. So head on over to carlinbrothersmercantile.com to sign up for the Royal Candle Club if you're interested, or just click around and see whatever else we have. I guarantee you're gonna find something you like. One more time, carlinbrothersmercantile.com, link is in the description down below. And if you stick around to the end of the video, we have another tiny little announcement about how you might be able to win a $100 Carlin Brothers Mercantile gift card. So stick around. All right, one of the things I've always loved about Toy Story is just the absolutely lovable cast of characters. I mean, they are all so iconic. I mean, we've got Rex, Potato Head, Slinky, Bo Peep, Pam, Forky, Jesse, and of course, Buzz. But there can be no doubt that despite the wide cast of characters, Toy Story has always been about Woody. Reach for the sky. And I know you might be thinking, well, what about Buzz? Doesn't he sort of share the spotlight as well? And yeah, maybe for the first movie, but when it comes down to it, 
it's all about Woody. Like he might not be completely likable for all of the first movie, but we are seeing everything from his perspective. Then in the second film, he is quite literally the crown jewel and not just of Al's collection, but of also the plot. We learn all about Woody's backstory, all of his comrades, his history, and for Buzz and the rest of the toys, the whole movie is just about getting Woody back. Then in three, the rest of the toys all feel like they found their calling at daycare, but Woody persists and represents that yearning we all have to see Andy reunited with all of his toys. Then at the end, it's even Woody specifically that Andy struggles to let go of. The rest of them, sure, no problem. Woody? What's he doing in there? Then don't get me started on Toy Story 4. I mean, you could have literally renamed it Woody, and I don't think anyone would have argued. Actually, I remember when they announced Toy Story 4 that I thought like, okay, maybe this is the beginning of a new saga. Like we just finished the Andy one, now it's Bonnie's time. But no, it's really not about Bonnie at all or Woody even getting back to her. Instead, it's actually about Woody leaving her. It was really never more clear that Woody is at the center of this whole thing. And at the end, it feels like he takes a giant step forward, that he can live an existence without a child. And depending on your take of the movie, or the Pixar theory for that matter, which suggests that toys need humans to come to life, then the fact that Woody can exist without a kid means that for all intents and purposes, he has come to life. Like Woody himself's presence around other toys might be enough to bring them to life. In fact, on this channel, we have theorized that 22 in Seoul, who eventually earns her Earth Pass by going down to Earth and living and learning the beauty of life is just living it, that when she drops to Earth, it's Woody they land into, which would actually mean Woody literally has a soul of his own. But that's a whole different theory entirely. My point is, I honestly thought Woody's arc was over at the end of three. I was more than happy to see him live out a meaningful life with Bonnie and then whoever came next and just leave that to the imagination. Turns out I was wrong. Toy Story 4 was great, but it really took the arc about as far as I can possibly imagine it going, which leaves us all with the question I'm sure we've been wondering since we heard about Toy Story 5, which is, where are they gonna go? Like Buzz and Woody had that big meaningful goodbye where they finish each other's sentences from across the fairgrounds to infinity. Like that was it, they were parting ways forever, right? Well, you'd think so, but there's almost no way this movie doesn't involve them reuniting again. I mean, if they don't, then what's even the point? Actually, actually, you know what is also almost no doubt? That Socks, the cat, the toy will appear in this movie, right? Like they're not, they're not just gonna rest on that gold mine, right? Like I'm sure someone's already left a comment down below that the real reason they're making Toy Story 5 is so they can sell more toys. But honestly, if they if they want to put more socks in more movies, I'm I'm perfectly okay with it. Sorry, and in case you didn't hear that, that's perfectly. It's a it's a pun. Cats purr. Socks, do you like that? I do. Actually, on that note, maybe we should address Lightyear for a second, because of the gilded Toy Story franchise, Lightyear was middling. Huh. This is uh what uh what's What's happening here? In fact, just this week, Pixar's chief creative officer and one of my favorite directors, Pete Docter, weighed in on what he thought went wrong. We've done a lot of soul searching about that because we all love the movie. We love the characters and the premise. I think probably what we've ended on in terms of what went wrong is that we asked too much of the audience. When they hear Buzz, they're like, great, where's Mr. Potato Head and Woody and Rex? And then we drop them into this science fiction film and they're like, 
What? Honestly, for what it's worth, I personally feel like Lightyear was very underrated. But considering that quote was from an article about the upcoming Toy Story 5, I feel like we can glean a little bit of information from it. AKA, if we put socks in a Toy Story movie, more people will like Lightyear, right? Excuse me, robot kitty cat. Oh, sorry. I mean, obviously we can't put Rex in Lightyear because that wouldn't make any sense given the premise of the movie, but we can do the opposite. We can put socks in Toy Story. It's called reverse engineering, people, okay? Read a book or watch a movie or... Ah. I feel like I'm mixing metaphors. I'm lost. Anyway, I think the point I'm trying to make is that if we get Toy Story 5, we're gonna get more of the entire crew. But so then where does that leave us? Well, on the one hand, we have Woody, who is the heart and soul of the entire Toy Story franchise, but who has also like left his friends behind and has definitely reached the end of his story, it feels like. And then on the other hand, we have a need for a new Toy Story film that features Woody meeting up with the rest of his friends again. But what is left? I mean, we've gone back in time and seen where Woody came from with Woody's Roundup. We've seen him gone through two different kids. We've seen him basically become human. Like what else can he do? I mean, are, are there any gaps left in the story we can fill in? In fact, there is. One big thing we still have yet to see is how Andy came to own Woody in the first place. Uh-huh, and just like that, we are back on track. Now, obviously it's not hard to see how you would fit Woody into a Woody origin story, but we do have that like Pete Doctor information to consider as well. So how do you incorporate the rest of the gang into the mix? Well, for sure what you'd be dealing with is not just the Woody and the origin story, but also some reason in the present for the gang that we know and love to be discovering this past, which could go a couple of different ways. I mean, for one, in Toy Story 2, Woody doesn't really have any idea what he came from or what he's based on. So when his memory starts is definitely something of a gray area. Why you don't know who you are, do you? And if you were, let's say, a lost toy who suddenly became sentient, that might be the kind of thing you start wondering about. Where did I come from? And let me just tell you that as the parent of a five-year-old and two three-year-olds, that is, um, that is definitely a question. That, uh, that comes up sometimes. But I think this is especially true if Woody's life has continued in a similar manner to how we saw it at the end of Toy Story 4, where day in and day out, he is helping connect toys with kids. Woody knows all too well the impact this relationship can have on not just the child, but also the toy. It's a remarkable and meaningful moment to watch the start of this relationship in real time, and Woody gets to do it every single day. But imagine how sad it would be if years have gone by and Woody starts to realize that he can't even remember that moment between him and Andy. How did they first meet? And do you know where I think Woody would need to go to get answers like that? The old Davis household, where I swear if Woody helps Andy out of some sort of adulthood jam, I'm just I'm just gonna lose it. And you know, actually, you know what? There's a, there's a pretty good chance I'm just gonna lose it no matter what in a Toy Story movie. But really, I'm getting ahead of myself because we still need to reunite the entire gang. And I think before Woody goes as far as breaking into the old Davis house, might try and reconnect with his old friends to see if he can just ask them if they remember anything. And of course, Bonnie's house is a much safer place to be discovered anyway, because if she finds Woody again, it could just be like, oh my God, I thought I lost you. Guess not. I mean, Bonnie is after all known for losing toys. I can't find Florky. He's missing. And of course, we, the audience, don't know what order Andy got all of the original gang. So any of them could be helpful in trying to remember when Woody arrived in the room. Except Buzz, who obviously got there afterwards. Hello? Oh, yeah. But we do know that in Toy Story 1, Mr. Potato Head says, Woody ain't worried. 
He's been Andy's favorite since kindergarten. And I don't know about you, but I've always just sort of assumed that the moment Andy got Woody, he immediately became his favorite. And since you start going to kindergarten at five and Toy Story 1 starts with Andy's sixth birthday party, he really can't then have had him for more than a year or so. We also know that in Toy Story 1, Andy's little sister Motley is only one years old, meaning that Andy has had a whirlwind couple of years. Let me break it down for you. Because in the last two years, not only did Andy get Woody and get a new sister and his family is moving, but somewhere in there, his dad leaves the picture too. And yes, we know that Andy's dad had to have left somewhere in that two year time frame because again, Molly's only one years old and that whole, whole you know, question of like, well, wh where did I come from? Where did I come from? If you read between the lines, it just means the dad hasn't been gone for that long. But honestly, I think all of those things are very interconnected and unraveling this history is what's going to drive the plot forward. For example, I think that the reason the Davis family is moving in the first place during Toy Story 1 is because of the death of Andy's father and that the house they're moving out of was Andy's dad's childhood home. And if you don't think so, well, the proof is in the pictures. I mean, who do you think this is? Andy? Yeah, I don't think so. Andy doesn't wear glasses. No, this is his dad's house, which then also helps piece together Woody's past a little. Because Toy Story takes place in 1995, but Woody is based on a show from the 1950s and is apparently like super rare. It's like printing my own money. But so then if you think about it, then how did Andy of all people come to own Woody in the 90s? And the answer is because Andy wasn't the original owner of Woody. His dad was. And actually, if you want a full detailed video and heartbreaking fashion of how that came to pass, I recommend you check out this video called Toy Story Zero. Speaking of the 50s though, did you know that two other members of Andy's toys are also from the 50s? Yes, Slinky Dog and Mr. Potato Head are both originally from the 50s and I think were both also originally owned by Andy's dad. So after Woody reunites the gang at Bonnie's house, those two will at least have enough memories to prompt Woody and the gang to then return to the Davis house. And that could go a thousand different ways. Maybe just each of them remember some trunk in the attic or Andy reading a letter and then finding Woody and they have to go track down some specific item, whatever it is. But of course, as they track down whatever it is they need to, the entire truth comes together that Woody is actually hand-me-down from his father to Andy, possibly as some sort of dying gift or something. I mean, after all it is Pixar, you know, gotta, gotta work the waterworks. And of course, of course, if they're gonna visit the Davis house, there's almost no doubt that Andy himself will be there visiting for some reason. And whatever that reason is, I'm sure he'll be dropping really vague hints about it. And it's gonna be worrying Woody and Andy's gonna be so stressed out about something that's gonna happen soon. Which will then make Woody inevitably feel very pressured to stay back at the Davis house, to be rediscovered by Andy, unable to shake that old habit of wanting to comfort him. But no, Woody is just there to learn about his past. There's nothing he can do for Andy. Andy's a grown man and Woody has to let that go. He decides he's going to leave. But then it is revealed the thing Andy has been so worried about this entire time is the oncoming arrival of his newborn son. I mean, of course Andy's worried about it. How was he gonna raise a son when he grew up without a dad to show him how to do it? Obviously a redundant question. Andy's gonna do great, but it's an understandable fear. But so then I'm sure you can guess who Woody ends up with at the end of the movie. Andy Jr. Jr. AKA Andy the third, AKA Andy's dad's name was Andy too, AKA guess who actually wrote Andy on the bottom of his boot? 
And there you go, a true ending to Woody's story. He goes on to look after and protect a third generation of the Davis family. In the end, I mean, they're just gonna make Toy Story 6 and Lightyear 2, where the new Andy is the kid and it'll just go on forever and you'll never see the last Toy Story movie. Honestly though, there is some possible foreshadowing of this back in Toy Story 3. It's right at the start when Woody is trying to give a pep talk to the whole gang about going into the attic. Yeah, we've lost friends along the way, Wheezy and Etch and Bo P. First they mention losing Bo and then Woody says, and hey, Andy might have kids of his own someday. And someday, if we're lucky, Andy may have kids of his own. But here's the thing, Bo never shows up again in Toy Story 3, but in Toy Story 4, it's all about her. So why not do the same thing for Toy Story 5? Even the idea that Andy originally plans to store all of his toys in the attic points to the idea that he had some kind of plan to revisit them in the future for some reason. And plus, even though we said Toy Story is all about Woody, it's also important to note that Woody is almost at all times, even in Toy Story 4, thinking about Andy's best interest. You are going to be there for Andy when he- Who's Andy? I mean, Bonnie. Plus, Toy Story has explored the idea of toy immortality in a few different ways at this point. There's the museum, the daycare, and then Woody's eventual path at the traveling carnival. The opportunity to help initiate the bond between toys and their kids. A helpful life, a meaningful one. But for me, I can't forget Andy, and I can't think of a better way for Woody and the rest of the gang to live on forever than as heirlooms. They've all stood the test of time, and each new Davis kid may eventually grow up and get to the point where they don't need them anymore, but eventually that need will renew itself. And when it does, they'll be there. All right, guys, and before we go, I do have one more tiny announcement about a little event we're gonna be running here in the Super Carlin Brothers community that's gonna be running all the way through the month of March. You've heard of March Madness, but how about Marvelous Madness? The whole event will be taking place on our Discord server, so you do need to be a member there if you want to partake. But for the last month, our mods and quiz masters over on Patreon have been ranking our top 64 most powerful Marvel characters. But only one of them will be crowned the champion, and it's up to you guys to decide who that will be. It's gonna be a lot like regular March Madness. There is going to be a link in the Discord server you can click on to fill out your bracket, and then each day we are going to post different polls on Twitter and Instagram, and you guys can vote about who will win each matchup. And then at the end of it, whoever has the most accurate bracket overall will be our winner and take home that $100 Carlin Brothers Mercantile gift card. Now again, you do need to be a member of the Discord server if you wanna play, and if you wanna sign up for that, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Super Carlin Brothers. It's just the $3 tier and you only have to sign up for one month if you want, but that'll get you access to playing this game and you'll just get to interact with the community for the entire month of March, which is way more worth it if you ask me. But if you wanna fill out your bracket, the time to start is now. You can fill it out between now and this Sunday. Voting will start next Monday, so you have to fill it out before then. And again, all the voting will take place on Twitter and Instagram, so make sure you're following at Carlin Brothers, at John Carlin, and at SCB Ben. There's links to all of that in the description down below. Honestly, I'm very excited. I filled out my own bracket this morning and a lot of the matchups were very tricky to decide. So I'm excited to see who you guys think will be crowned the champion. And before I go, one big shout out to both Geek Teach and Dola, some of our mods over on the Discord server who have done a tremendous job organizing and putting this all together. Can't wait to see you guys in the Discord server. You guys, thanks so much for watching as always. Let me know in the towel section down below, are you excited for Toy Story 5? Have I made you excited? Also, if you wanna know more about the very exact history of Andy's dad and what might have happened to him, we have an awesome 
awesome interview with a guy named Mike Mozart, who apparently heard it from Joe Ranft, who used to work at Pixar and helped found it. It is an amazing history, and you can watch it all in this video right here, Toy Story Zero, the truth about Andy's dad. Uh, bring some tissues, though, it's very, very sad. Anyway, otherwise, until next time, then I will see you in another life.